Welcome to the Platform Podcast. On this show, we're trying to educate you about the American college system. We're going to be having college coaches and student athletes joining us, talking about the experiences in America, and hopefully by the end of the show, you would have taken away some amazing information. Enjoy. Now? Now I can see you. Uh, hey, what's up, brother? David, so nice hey. to see you. How are you? You know, we're in quarantine still, so... I am working a little bit today in my office, but nice. Strange cool. times. I know that New Zealand, you guys are like the envy of the world. I read an article that New Zealand is uh, ahead of the curve, if you will. Yeah, well, I mean, good news for golfers today. We can actually go and use the the golf courses, which is absolutely fantastic. So, yeah. I can imagine there will be uh, quite a few people in the car park and on the on the practice green for sure this morning. Mm -hmm. So. It's, it's good in New Zealand. Um, my younger brother's a pro tennis player, and he can finally go and hit some tennis balls at the tennis facilities. So things are moving in the right direction. I heard um, the McDonald's drive through line was packed this morning. So. <laughs> See, they've actually had all – like, those type of things have been open. Like, you could go through drive through like, take out at restaurants. Um, what hasn't been open is anything like retail or – sit down in the place you know what i mean like, yeah. but we've been able to like like you go you could go to you know a drive-through or go to a restaurant and order and then take it out i mean you're still home all the time i mean I'm, every day i say i'm not going to drink beer when i get home and i come home and i have two beers because i'm just <laughs> that's what the hell else am i going to do <laughs> but, that's, that's hey awful. my wife and i are still getting along and you know I have a wonderful team too. So, oh, that's that's no so good. Well, look, David, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, um, okay. The purpose of this call is to educate um, young golfers from around the world about the Sacramento State Women's Golfing Program. Mm -hmm. And for those that are watching this, and when we post it later, they'll be able to stream it in their own time. Just to give you a bit of a background on Coach David Sutherland, David was he's at Sacramento State. Um, he was the Big Sky Coach of the Year for three straight years. He's a former PGA pro competing in over 215 events, including competing in the British Open and the PGA Tour Championship. Um, at Sacramento State, the top 25 individual scores have been under David's coaching, which is breaking the history books within that program. And he's also coached the men's team. So, David, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, it's been a wonderful experience here. That's amazing. So, David, how did you get into golf? How did I get into golf? That's going back a ways. Um, so my, uh, my dad was in the Air Force, and so we were actually in Sacramento because we were stationed here. And, um, and so we didn't have a large circle of friends. And so it just started with my brother and I going out to the local public golf course with my dad. And the only thing my dad ever taught me was just how to behave. You know, it wasn't like a structural thing. I remember one time... Uh, I was playing with him when I was younger and I threw a club and he just grabbed me by the arm and we walked in. And, uh, and, and so I, the, so my, my initiation to golf was really just through my family. And it was a lot of, with my brother, my dad would be at times stationed overseas, uh, particularly during the Vietnam war. And so, uh, my brother and I would just go out to, either the local military course, uh, McClellan Air Force Base or Mayfield Air Force Base or the local public golf courses here in Sacramento. Uh, it was, 
you know, not any sort of design to the fact that we both ended up playing on the PGA Tour. It was pretty humble beginnings of just going to the local Shady Acre golf course, you know, type of thing. Yeah, for sure. And I guess you've had a very, very great professional playing career. Not many can say they've done that. However, before you went to the pros, you went to college as a student athlete. You went to, is it Fresno State? Um, Do you think your time as a student athlete in college helped your development, which then led you into becoming a professional? Yes. In fact, I, I did not, and my brother too, we did not get scholarships to go to college. We had been such you know because of my my dad's situation with him traveling as much as he did uh, we didn't have a lot of money to afford to go to any tournaments really outside of northern california you know we weren't heavily recruited and so we went down there and we walked on and and really were just kind of happy to be on the team and i think that experience has affected a lot of the way that i coach um and so i was there for five years i had a red shirt year my brother was there for five years we played three years together and um and to give you an idea, I mean, we went from uh, walk-ons without a scholarship to by the time we graduated, we were, you know, two, in some cases, three-time All-Americans, and we were ranked as a team in the top three or four in the country, and then rather quickly went out and played the PGA Tour. So within just a period of, of five, six years of my life, I went from a walk-on in college to an, on the playing on the PGA Tour. So you can imagine that my experience – in college it was a real positive one yeah and it has really affected a lot of my coaching um what what we had in fresno was great availability of golf courses and so as a coach i've wanted to make sure i'm providing my team with when i both when i was coaching the men and the women now specifically the women really good access to really good facilities that they can use anytime they want to use them. I cannot stress enough that you cannot be able to maximize your, your, your golfing abilities without real unfettered access to practice facilities. You have to have that. And they have to be good practice facilities. And I have that at Fresno. And then you also have to feel like really supported. Um, My coach was great at Fresno state. He, coached for 35 years and there really wasn't anything he wouldn't do for us as a team. Um, back then there wasn't yardage books, for example, and he would run the golf court for the rounds to get yardage books and pin sheets. And so that established my sense of that a coach is really supposed to serve a team, not coach kids play for the, for the, for the coach. And then the last thing that I would say that I drew out of college um, was the fact that I, I felt really, I became more and more and more controlled and aware of my golf game, you know, and my coach in college, I think did a good job of that he never really tried to micromanage my own golf game. And so as a coach here in college, I always tell my gals, I coach now that in a lot of ways, I feel like I work for you. I want you to be in control of this relationship. I want you to feel like your voice is heard. And cause I know that if you turn pro, uh, you know, you're going to need to have that level of confidence that you're feeling like you are in charge of your game and you're playing for yourself. And so those three things, I think I really took out of college. And then the last thing I'll say too, is I, I was a, I was academically inclined. I was an economical American uh, also. And I, I do feel strongly as a coach. Um, you know, we want to have gals that, that aren't always going to be a 4.0 student. And we're going to have plenty of gals that are going to be 3.0 students. We do want to have gals that care about academics. We do. 
that they are interested in getting a degree, uh, that they are, you know, mature, kind people. And I was surrounded by that when I was in college as well. That's amazing. And not only you had a fantastic college career, but like I said, you played over 250 events as a professional. What are some of the highlights of your professional career, you know, being a pro? Well, I, you know, there's a lot of them, you know, I mean, there's a lot of memories you have, you know, like just little snapshots. I mean, you know, there's nothing quite like teeing it up at the LA Open the last round with a one shot lead over Tiger Woods. Like, <laughs> that's you, amazing. You, you can't know what that's like until you've done it, you know, yeah. and the amount of people out there watching the intensity of the environment. Uh, I, the, but the biggest thing that I reflect on, there's so many memories, but the mutual respect of good players is significant. If there's one thing that really bothers me sometimes in college golf, is I don't know that all of the gals treat each other with the respect that they should. I know my team does. Like, I am adamant that my gals are going to be respectful of all the other players in the field, regardless of who they are. You I mean, from the best team in the country to the weakest team in the country. In professional golf, there is a standard by which you're supposed to compete. And you're always supposed to play with good energy. You're always supposed to play hard. Like, when I, when I coach now, my team is probably tired of me hearing it, but I talk it all the time. It's just good energy. You got to have good energy. You got to want to be there. Professional golfers, I can't tell you. There's been times where I play with the best players in the world and they shoot in the 80s, you know, and they have bad days, but they always look a certain way. They always have good energy. And that, that, that I, I remember a lot as a coach and just the, the dedication, the commitment to being as good as you can possibly be and doing that every day, I remember a lot. But of course, you still always remember. I mean, yeah, you play in front of 100,000 people. Uh, you play in major championships. I played the, play the British Open at St. Andrews and, you know, coming up, um, you know, teeing off that first hole and that environment there is just amazing. Um, you know, I, I never won on tour. I had a, a bunch of close finishes. I, you know, lipped out a putt to force a playoff uh, one year. And so I remember those things. But but probably more than anything else, I just remember the environment of, of 200 and whatever events it was, a long time, and doing it all with my brother, too. You got to remember, I did virtually all of those tournaments I played in, I played with Kevin on tour. And, um, you know, and, and I, I take, you know, as a coach, and the reason we're having the conversation is because I coach now is, you know, the one thing I, I will say to any student athlete I coach is that I had my my years like I had my time I'm I'm doing this now because so many people helped me and my brother I mean you can kind of tell from the things I said before that we did not come up in this sort of wealthy family we were pretty modest so many people helped me my coach for example Don Bach who taught my brother and I for 30 years has never once charged a nickel from me I mean wow. I, I have to pretty much force him to take any money from me <laughs> and um not a good business model, but it makes you a really good person. And so I look at my job now as a, a real way to kind of give back to a community here in Sacramento that's given me so much. When I, when I have a chance to coach a gal that wants to be a professional golfer, I very much identify with what they're going through. And I know that I went through it. I was successful in doing it, which makes me, and so I, and I, so I realized that it's something you can do. Like, it's not, 
like I should tell somebody like, oh yeah, don't try it. You're not going to make it. But I also know how hard it is and the things you can need, a support system and financial support, emotional support, you know, the coaching involved. And that most of the guys that come to Sac State are not loaded with money. You mean, and they're going to need lots of that stuff. And so I do care deeply about trying to help them as best as I can, because I could not have had the career I had. My brother could not have the career I had had we not had people do the exact same thing for us. I cannot stress that enough. Absolutely. And as, I mean, that, that sounds very fantastic. And I know any student athlete that will be listening to this are already excited about learning more about your program. And it's safe to say, David, that, you know, from since I've known you, you're definitely one of those coaches that wear your heart on your sleeve. You know, you give a lot back to the program. And, you know, when you were looking at a coaching role within the college system, I can imagine you must have had a lot of different opportunities that you could have pursued. Why did you choose Sacramento State as your program? Well, one, I'm from Sacramento. So I, I literally live about five miles away from where I'm sitting right now. And my brother lives here and my mom and dad live here. My wife's mom and dad lives here. Right. I had not intended on getting into coaching. I knew I wanted to do something when I retired. And, and my retirement came... I kind of knew it was happening because of the fact that I had so many surgeries on different parts of my body. And that, so I started thinking about what I wanted to do and I knew I wanted to do something, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be like within the first tee or within even academically speaking, I, I, I thought about teaching, um, not as a golf teacher, but as a, a like a, you know, instructor, like a U.S. history, world history, social study stuff. And so I got and got into it without necessarily knowing I was going to do this. But then once I got into it, what I liked about it as opposed to your thing was my ability to make an impact on a person's life was pretty significant. Um, you know, the other aspects, I, I, I felt like I could do a little more in this role in terms of helping people. Um, why I haven't left, I, I haven't really even, I, I really like coaching at a school like Sacramento State. I, I like the fact that we're always interested in graduating our kids, um, that while we have competed in the top 50, top 60 in the country for a really long time now, um, you know, our mission is still really pure. Like we are still about um, recruiting gals, supporting them, seeing them graduate, moving on to a career, improving their golf games. N not any guy on my team feels like they're playing for me. You mean? And, and so because of that, we're able to attract gals that are wired that way, that they're looking for that. And so we are a little bit smaller than some of the other programs that do recruit the gals that are on my team, but they, they tend to want to come here because of some of the, some of the, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but some of the family atmosphere that we have here, I guess you could say. And I like that. I like the fact that it, that, you know, things matter here in terms of, you know, the promises you make to people. Um, and so I don't have any interest in moving away. I mean, I, I just, I think one of the interesting things about the coronavirus too is having my season canceled is it's, you know, made me, I actually really missed the coaching part of it. I must, I miss seeing my gals every day. They're wonderful young ladies. And, um, and so I, you know, maybe I'll do it for, you know, 10 or 15 more years. He's yeah, an old guy out there, you know, <laughs> 58 years old, still coaching. I'll be losing it. <laughs> and I, I should mention one other thing. I have an amazing assistant coach, Cindy Lightford, who's 
did an extreme, I think she's the best assistant in the United States. I keep coming to her. She, she herself played a long time professionally and played as top 25 finishes in the US Open and, and the British Open. She uh, competed in, made the cut there. And, um, and she makes my job really easy. She's from Sacramento too. And so she's committed to doing this for a long time. So I have a lot of real positives in terms of my work environment. That's fantastic. And you mentioned earlier in this conversation that when you recruit athletes, you know, their attitude, the character, so important, you know, their positivity. What other things do you look for when you are recruiting girls for Sacramento State Women's Golf? Yeah, that's a really good question. And first of all, I'll tell you, every, every gal I've ever recruited has been different in some unique way. You know, how did we connect to each other? Did she find us that I find her. I am almost always looking for gals that for one reason or another, I feel like are being undervalued as a golfer. I will be honest about that. I think that there is a tremendous amount of bias when it comes to recruiting and how gals get recruited. And so what I am always looking for are gals that for whatever reason have slipped, I feel like, through the radar. I'm also though looking for gals that, that it's beyond just golf. I want gals that will fit into the environment of our program. You have to remember that I live in Sacramento. I grew up across the street from our home golf course, El Paso Country Club. But every club we play here, Sierra View Country Club, Northridge Country Club, Valley High, or throughout this entire community, Rancho Marietta, Hagen Oaks, Ansel Hoffman, they're all friends of mine. Yeah. And so I am deeply connected to this program. And so I also know that I want to have gals that are interested in coming here and also being part of a larger golfer, golfing community. And they're going to be able to do that. I want them to meet people. I want them to be connected. I want them to graduate and have a roster full of people that they can maybe support them both either in professional golf or in a professional career. And the only way they can do that is if in my conversation with that, I feel like they have that kind of a personality. I mean, so I want some, when I'm on the phone with gals and I'm, and I'm talking to the young ladies so often, I do have to be honest and say that I am you know, in a sense, I don't want to say interviewing, but I am looking for gals that I feel like are mature women, dedicated to golf, that they care about their teammates. You know I mean, and and I would rather have a gal that has a 74 scoring average that I feel like is a mature young woman who's a developing golfer who works hard the game than somebody who maybe has a little bit further along in their golf game, but I feel like maybe wouldn't fit into the culture we have in our program. And that's just the honest truth. And I, and I feel like there's a lot of those gals out there. They really are. And there are gals like that right there in New Zealand. Trust me on that. That I know for sure. You <laughs> know what I mean? Because, and, that, and there's a point to that, too. There are places, New Zealand being one of them, that may be under-recruited. Consider the fact that if a gal lives in Southern California, she's going to be wildly more recruited than a gal living in Wellington. You right. know what I mean? I mean, it's just logic. You know, if, if a gal lives in you know, in parts of Europe or even Australia, they're likely to get more widely recruited than a gal that lives in Christchurch. You mean? Yeah. Just <laughs> logic. So there's a reason that I have gals on my team from India and Argentina and perhaps a place like New Zealand. I tend to focus on places that I feel like 
that maybe for whatever reason are being overlooked for whatever reason. You mean, I think yeah, there's absolutely. some really good players in New Zealand, I'll put it that way. Yeah. And that oftentimes they're not highly, as highly recruited as they necessarily should be. You mean, because they have a lot of those guys that come over here in college and, and, and played really, really well here as, as, um, as college golfers. And um, there may not be quite as many of them, but the ones that have done it oftentimes have been very, very good players. For sure. And what facilities do your golfers get access to? Uh, our home golf course that we practice at quite a bit is Del Paso Country Club. It's close to campus, just a short five or ten minute drive. Uh, it's amazing. Del Paso has hosted, I want to say, seven USGA National Championships. Wow. Um, hosted the U.S. Women's Open, in fact, I think a couple times. Uh, it hosted the Senior Open just about four or five years ago. And actually, I think it's going to host the Senior Open again in 2024. I think the only USJ Championship it hasn't hosted is the U.S. Men's Open, which is really – it's just not a big enough facility. I mean, like, yeah. you can understand the U.S. Open has hosted enormous facilities that have oftentimes two, three golf courses. Um, and they are members of that club. They can um, – Practice there. Uh, it, it has um, one of the nicest drive range, short game areas. The golf course is 100% bent grass from tee to green. Fair, uh, uh, it is in immaculate condition. Um, it also has a separate uh, workout area, fitness room, wow. cafe that the gals can use, that they do use actually. Uh, and again, they're actually members of the club. It's not like they're gastronomy. They're actually, are, you know, we, through our program during our season, they, they, um, they are members of the club. And so, um, but we do move around to Sacramento throughout the week. Um, you know, it's nice to play different golf courses. And so uh, Sierra View Golf Country Club has been a wonderful uh, supporter of our program. Uh, and and as, as there are quite a few other golf courses, but uh, most gals uh, are out there on Saturdays and Sundays, um, unless they decide they want to go to a different golf course that day. Um, we, as a team, we practice five days a week as a team, um, Monday through Friday. And then the gals will usually be out at Del Paso on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, I would say that one of the keys to the success we've had as a program has been uh, the remarkable relationship. I do not know if there's a better country club program relationship that we have here in the United States than the relationship that we have here at Sacramento State with Del Paso Country Club. I, 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 it's close to campus, it's a truly, prestigious national club that has hosted a variety of national championships and the gals are able to use it whenever they want to. It's private. It's quiet. When we play qualifying rounds, we play in twosomes so we can play fast. Right. It's that kind of environment. And it's a real positive one. And um, incredible. And I can assure you if I went out there today, there'd be gals on my team out there practicing right now. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And you know, you mentioned that it's, uh, it's about five to ten minutes away from campus. Yep. Do you have like a shuttle van that you take the girls to and from, or do they get there on their own? Well, here's the way it normally works, to be honest with you, and anybody listen. If I recruit some international girls, and typically about half of them will show up and they want to get a car. And then half of them show up and they don't want to get a car because they haven't driven much. Um, it doesn't matter if they have a car or they don't have a car. Almost always my freshman, the first semester, I'm driving them to and from campus. It's just the way it is. Right. Uh, they're just still getting familiar with the neighborhood, the area. It's, you're not going on a freeway. You're just driving like these streets. But they just, you know what I mean? It's just easier for them. It's not very far. But after a you know, semester or two, all of my gals at some point just drive them. 
get a car by themselves. You yeah. mean, it's not, it's, certainly you could drive them. It is just, it's, there's no reason for us to, I, to get a big van bus. The other thing too, is that I like to have my gals have some flexibility over when we practice. So for example, if a gal is done with class at 10 15, she may want to get to the golf course at 11 o'clock and she's walking to do that. And so I will be out there. I might meet up with her at 11 o'clock and she may practice until dark. She may practice for eight or nine hours, but she just wants to get an early start. And then I may have another gal that has a class, particularly to get into like a, you know, business pro department program. They may have a lab that takes until 1.15. So they may not even be getting there until two o'clock and then they'll be practicing until seven o'clock. And so it's not unusual for me as a coach to be at the golf course from say, 10 30 in the morning until six seven o'clock at night because i have different gals coming in at different times make no mistake our gals practice together a lot and there's times where we do do that but as you're talking about regular everyday practice you know i don't i don't tell my gals okay we're gonna start at one o'clock and we're gonna be done at four o'clock and then we're all driving you home we're gonna get to there that's just not a very good way to get better at golf i'm just telling you yeah motivate you know we have a lot of really motivated golfers and um you know, they, they want to practice more than that. They just awesome. <laughs> awesome. And you know, if a girl comes into your program and let's say she earns a full scholarship, what does yes. a full scholarship cover? Okay. So a full scholarship is uh, kind of like the benchmark. And I'll be honest with you, like most gals that you're recruiting are, they're either looking for a full scholarship or something very, very close to it. You mean, because it's really expensive when you're coming from New Zealand or any part of the world right you go to college without that you, you better have some wealthy families i don't care what school you go to. so um here what, what it pays for is your room board and that number is around twelve thousand dollars in cash if you're living in an apartment the full cost of your tuition which here at sacramento state would be the neighborhood about twenty thousand dollars right your books and then you have like a cost of attendance stipend. You mean, and that's a variable cost. I mean, it's different at different schools. It's been a different amount here in Sacramento State at different times. It's been, it's anywhere from two thousand to four thousand dollars. And and again, you know, it, you know, here at Sacramento State, it it literally is a it's a number that can change each year. And it's different at every school. Some schools that may be five thousand dollars. Some schools it could be two thousand dollars. You mean right? Um, so that number becomes a full cost of attendance scholarship. And 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 by the way, you're almost always working off of that as a coach when you're recruiting. You know, if I'm not offering a young lady from New Zealand a full scholarship, I can assure you it's really close. And it's going to get to a full scholarship really fast yeah. because it's just too expensive in my mind, at least you're, you know, you got to pay for flights back and forth. You're reconstituting your life in the United States. You talk about getting a car, you got to pay for gas. There's all sorts of residual. Now as a coach, we can cover everything, you know, clubs, equipment, access to facilities, travel, clothing, food. You know I mean? We can cover all that. There's still going to be other cost. I mean, you're going to have to pay for gas, a car. You're going to have to go out with your friends. We're in California. They're going yeah. to want to go explore, go to Yosemite, go to Pebble Beach, go to San Francisco. 
So you have to budget as a family, you're gonna cost, spend those much, that much money. It's really hard to do that and be having to cover an additional cost on the cost of college. And so again, in all my recruiting for young ladies across the other world, I have always been operating off of full scholarships or quite frankly, something really close, you know, within the 90 to 95% range. And normally that is going to last about a year, year and a amazing. half, a year or two before you get to a full. That's amazing. And there's going to be a lot of golfers that may not have the opportunity to get a position at Sacramento state. However, in your, in your college coaching experience, what are some advice you can give, not just to female recruits, but also male recruits as well when they're looking for a college program? Well, the, if, so this, if I was to break them down into two components, having recruited at different times, both men and women. Right. Um, you know, men, we'll start with the guys. There isn't as many just physical scholarship amounts. I mean, with women, you're dealing with six. With men, you're dealing with four and a half. Those the amount of scholarships that you couldn't give to your program. But that's not like every program in the United States gives four and a half scholarships. Some give three, some give because of different reasons. And so with in men, getting a full scholarship is going to be much harder to do. Um, the, and so you're going to have to build into your sort of plan the fact that this is going to cost you some money. Uh, and my advice would be to prepare for that a couple of years in advance. I mean, if you're a parent, you better start putting some money away. <laughs> because, and I'm, a, by the way, my son plays college golf. So right. <laughs> I'm doing that myself right now. Yeah. And he has a scholarship that pays, you know, his tuition and some other stuff. But, and, uh, and so, but the other thing about men's golf is that um, there is a, a lot of other pro, there's, there's a lot of programs in America. And you also have a very competitive division two, division uh, NAIA, even at the junior college level, you will see a lot of guys come out of even junior college golf that will gravitate to division one college golf and will be able to play at a high level and may even graduate from that and go play at a high level professional. And so your options are just massive. You mean like you can have really good players at a wide range of schools on the men's side. And so from my perspective as a advice to a men's golfer, male golfer, I would say, you know, you wanna put a much bigger carpet out there. You mean? Yeah. You wanna contact a wider range of schools and, and not target yourself down to a few small ones. On the women's side, I would be a little bit more different. I would say that um, there is, probably going to be a narrower range of schools that are going to be right for you, perhaps. Um, one, when you're looking at Division One, Division Two, you're likely going to be looking at uh, a larger scholarship. Uh, you don't have as many, though, of the young women who come over here and compete in junior college. Uh, there's occasionally some gals that will come over to Santa Barbara Community College, but by and large, most of them are going to Division One schools. You, you see a few struggle on the division two, but that's not like it is in the men's side. And so what I would say for, for the women is that um, I would suggest that you target a little bit more of what it is that you're looking for. You know what I mean? Um, weather, 
You know, if it's north of the middle of the country, it's going to snow. And if it's south, it's going to be usually not snowing. That's just like the easiest way to look at it. Yeah. So if you don't mind snow, go up there. If you don't want snow, look at the bottom, you know, yeah. and, and you're going to, um, you know, maybe have some academic needs. You may have some connection with people that you know in a certain area. So I would say on the women's side, you might want to be a little more targeted on who you're going to contact and connect with. Um, the, the, the other thing I'll say though about the women's side is that there's a lot, to me at least, there's a lot more international golfers over here. And so you have a lot more coaches that do international golfing. There are less international male golfers than there is female golfers. And so I think from a standpoint of, of recruiting, I think that you're on the men's side, I would encourage a larger blanket because you're probably going to get more no's. You mean, I'm not doing international recruiting. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience with it. On the women's side, you may, re may contact fewer people, but get more replies, more interest, because more female golfers recruit internationally than male golfers. And I, again, I would say it's probably by a pretty large number. For sure. um, and then my last thing I'll say is, you know, you know, remember that this is your four years. You mean, this is your, all of us coaches, we're going to be, oftentimes we'll be doing this for 15, 20 years. This is your four years. You should get what you want. You know what I mean? And, you know, have a good idea what you're looking for uh, and, and then go see if you can get it. The one, by the way, I keep saying this. <laughs> I lost stream of consciousness going on here. The other thing I'll say, though, is that oftentimes what a recruit will be looking for during the recruiting process, process can be different than what they actually will want once they're there. And that's the most challenging part of recruiting from the standpoint of the athlete is really identifying what it is. Because you've got so little information. You're making a two-day visit. You're talking to people on the phone. It's so far away. And so my, my, my strong... Um, advice is for any person is to trust your gut instinct. You mean, you know, listen to your own voice. It, you know, it, it's, it's the most powerful voice you can listen to is the one that's in your head. And if it's tending you into a direction that maybe doesn't make sense to your friends and your family, but it makes a lot of sense to you for reasons that you only really know, just from the relationships you've had, the, the conversations you've had, the email exchanges, you feel valued. I would, my advice would be to go to that school and, and you'll, you'll have a better chance to be successful. Perfect. Well, David, this has been absolutely amazing. It's so good to talk to someone that's so passionate about their program. And honestly, like myself being a recruiter, the amount of times I've spoken to some coaches, I won't obviously name and they're, they're not as passionate as crazy. And you are, you know, if you're a student athlete that wants to be a successful uh, female golfer in the college system, definitely check out Sacramento State Women's Golf. I mean, David is an amazing person. I've got to know him over um, the last couple of years. And, you know, whenever I send an email to David or ask him a question, he always gets back to me. So, David, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for being here. Great to talk to you. Yes. Awesome. Take a look down there. Stay safe. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, hopefully see you in New Zealand uh, within the next 12 months. That would be a lot of fun. And if I'm there, I'll definitely come see you for sure. There we go. For sure. Thank you.